Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale podcast. I'm Kirsten Ross, and this podcast, we talk about best practices when it comes to launching and scaling your physical product brand online. Whether you're doing Kickstarter or even launching your own brand online, we help you with best foundational practices and conversations around helping you build a brand that you can sell or at basic support your lifestyle so that you can quit your nine to five and live life on your terms Super excited. You can dive into more resources and previous episodes at kirsten.com. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. I'm Kirsten and I'm really pumped for today's interview. We're bringing back a past client that has used Indiegogo and really crowdfunding to not only start his brand, but also to use it for subsequent product launches and use it as an inventory play. So I think there's a lot of uh, stuff to gain from this, whether you're just starting or you're an existing brand that's looking to grow their audience and tap into an additional cash flow source without having to dig into your bank yourself, but but also really be able to look at crowdfunding as a way to get your inventory paid for through other people. So super interesting conversation happening very soon. But I really wanted to share two things that I am very, very excited to share with you. Um, first off, you may have heard this by watching a few of my previous videos that recently we have opened a free Facebook community for those that want to launch and scale their product online. I opened this community as a way for people, like-minded people, launching products and even existing e-commerce entrepreneurs to network with others around the, the world. We're also gonna be sharing resources and in this free community, which you can have a link to uh, with all the details in the description, but you're getting first access to anything we do behind the scenes, as well as first access to challenges, which brings me to my second point. In a couple of weeks, on September 3rd, we are releasing an audience building playlist on YouTube. So this means, first off, biggest question I get asked is where do I start? How do I start if I'm literally just starting? And let's face it, if you are an existing Amazon seller, or maybe you're just starting, in order to have success online selling your product, you need brand awareness and you need to have an audience of people to launch your product to and, and get to sell your product. You really need that community. And so what better way to kick off the, like, the rest of the year of 2020, but to help you build your audience and really help you get started. So first off, be sure to subscribe to YouTube so that you do not miss the notification when that challenge goes live. And second, we are offering a bit of additional support for a very fair um, fee below so you can grab all the details below to sign up for the challenge the challenge is a hundred percent free but if you're looking for a little bit of extra coaching and accountability and resources we do have an option where you can upgrade for a nominal fee so again all the details are in the description but i'm i'm really pumped i'm excited to be offering this is both a, a free and a an upgraded challenge so join us on september 3rd for that and apart from that let's actually get to the interview with manish Hey guys, how's it going? I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, if you guys have been following the show for a while, um, this is not a new face. Manish Sethi is the founder of Pavlock, and I wanted to reconnect with him to actually record a case study 
here in 2020 because I'm now building a lot of assets talking to established brands that have used crowdfunding, so Indiegogo or Kickstarter, to launch new products and see, really get inside their brain and see why they're using it for subsequent launches when they already have a website set up and they're already selling other products on Amazon. And so, um, you know, Manish and starting Pavlok has come quite a long way. He's developed multiple products. He's used Indiegogo several times for different launches. And so today I just want to get into your head a little bit to see, um, cause I, I think you have a new product coming out. Is that right? Okay. We do have a new product coming out. Um, yeah, Pavlock, the third generation of our Pavlock hardware is coming out in about, I don't know, sometime in the late summer, early fall. Um, so our first prototypes were made. But yeah, we make, I make Pavlock. I, I've been running the company since 2013. Um, I had the idea because I had a lot of trouble staying focused. So I decided to hire somebody to follow me around. And every time I wasted time, she would slap me in the face. Um, I found that when I had extreme in the moment accountability that I became extremely productive and I thought that's interesting uh, what if I created a system that could help me do this without having to have a human being what if I use like a dog you know shock collar to help reinforce good habits and help me stop doing bad habits and I found that by taking the concept of of reward and punishment and making it less in the future and more in the moment you could rapidly change your brain to start liking the things that you want yourself to like and stop liking the things you want yourself to stop liking. Um, and that that context really had a, a large ramification. And we started off the company um, with the concept of this all-in-one habit system. And the first time I worked with you uh, was when we started fo focusing on individual habits. This is the first one of which was helping people wake up earlier. So yeah, yeah that's me. And we've been around for a while, 100,000 plus customers. Um, and four campaigns that have raised uh, just under a million dollars. Yeah, it was really cool. Is you Pavlov got started from and it was an Indiegogo campaign, right? That you did that got first started, time. Yeah, we started uh, about a year and a half before the Indiegogo campaign, but yeah, we got started. Yeah, so really got your start on Indiegogo, and have since then used a crowdfunding model to come back over and over and over again. Um, have you found from going back to Indiegogo or, or just crowdfunding in general, have you noticed your audience getting fatigued between launches or are you still able to like, can you walk me through what your audience has to go through every single time a new product gets launched? Like, are you building up a new audience every time around the new habit or like, what does that look like? That's a great question. So I haven't run one in a while. And uh, our last one was our, our most, um, it should have been our best launch if you think about it logically, because our best selling product is Pavlock 1. Uh, right. And Pavlock 2 was the launch. So we expected that we would have a lot of people who were re uh, repeat buyers. Um, but we didn't. We had very, 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 very few very low percentage repeat buyers. And the traffic that we sold to on, uh, at that point, we we're planning on using just our audience because we were uh, fundraising and we had turned off our advertising for a while. And mm -hmm. because of that, we had an extremely low uh, ROI on that campaign. Our average campaign was doing about $250,000 and that one did, I think it was 30. And yeah. so um, 
when I look at our traffic, uh, I'm noticing that throughout everything, it's extremely hard to correlate the like length of a customer to their email list to their sale. But at the end of the day, the majority of our customers buy on day one or day two, like max day seven. If you haven't bought it by day 30, you're pretty unlikely to buy. And so uh, to me, um, the act of, in my opinion, the reason that we failed last time on our campaign and succeeded the previous times was due to uh, cold traffic ad spend. Uh, So I believe that you could probably run uh, like uh, run an in-demand like year round as a as a a retargeting campaign or as a cold traffic campaign Mm -hmm. and use that um, without even the intention of building a new product. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting because I we usually see when you look at certain brands that do multiple launches, like I was just uh, talking to Live Watches before this, they've done four subsequent campaigns for four new products. And typically you're going to see sales increase for each one as their audience size grows with that, right? And, you know, you followed that trajectory when you first started because like Pavlock 1 did around 250, Pavlock 2 again, beat that, but then the last launch was a little down. And so would you say that it's because we didn't build up the audience and we relied 100% on the established Pavlock audience during that yeah, launch? The first, the, the first two campaigns relied on PR and press and ads. And yeah. uh, the third campaign relied on, or the fourth campaign relied on um, our audience. So different companies are obviously different. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think if you're an e-com company with mass retention, that's like um, a, you're in a rare, very good place. Uh, if you're someone who sells like a watch of the month club, you know, then like maybe like, it'll be easy to, customers. to get a recurring yeah. customer to switch their watch to your Indiegogo campaign next month. But yeah. if you're, um, I mean, I would guess that, uh, I would estimate that the majority of e-com companies are rarely selling to the same customer twice. And in that case, there's literally no downside to um, consistently running a campaign as long as you're not, you know, annoying people. Um, and you can create yeah. funnels that are, you know, I mean, whenever we launch a new product on our company, we always launch it silently and do campaigns to cold traffic before we announce it to our, old li- our own list. Um, and we, we do this for months. So like a process that if I were to do a campaign again, which actually I'm planning one, yeah. the process that I'm trying to follow right now is less of a um, original Manish style, original uh, inventor guy idea style where mm-hmm. you have an idea, you build it, you build it the best you can you put up an Indiegogo where you don't even worry about calculating the costs and see if you can make a profit. And then you, yeah. you're going to figure out how to buy it. And you're going to figure out how to make it afterwards. Um, instead we said, okay, well, what, what, what's the truth is that Manish has ideas, but he, his ideas are rarely, um, like r- rarely is the customer, the same person as Manish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, we were like, all right, well, we're noticing that during this COVID crisis, um, people aren't using alarm clocks, but they are having trouble with their food. We surveyed our users and found that the biggest habit was food problems. Food intake, so said, yeah. Yeah, and so we said, what if we, hypothes- what if we hypothesize a product that we could create? What if we created a version of our product called Stop the Craving and bought ads to this product? And so we instantly uh, started buying traffic and then had our first few sales in the first week. In the first day or two and we said okay we got our first few sales so um we started experimenting with what our product would look like so we started off by doing it uh manish style so i was like let's add a scale let's um make a padlock plus a scale and then we can make it so they have a, a competition so they weigh themselves and we kept yeah. testing and there was lag time and then we finally just sat, said why the fuck are we being 
so stupid and fighting against what the obvious truth is, which is we need to start talking to our customers. Why are we not talking to our customers? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Great lesson. And so, so we said, how can we start talking to our customers? Because our company has had a fundamental fear of phone calls um, since day one and a fundamental fear of scheduling stuff. And I said, this is, we must make this automated. We must make, we must make this system the way our company, the only way this will work is if it just magically shows up in my calendar. So let's create a system that just makes it magically show up in my calendar. And so what we did is we set up a basic system where we have it such that whenever a person buys a Pavlock, uh, they get Zapier stuff, they get Zapier such that as soon as they buy a Pavlock and 48 hours later, they get a text from me that says an SMS that says, Hey, here's your tracking info, founder of Pavlock here, really excited. Hey, just wanted to let you know, um, would you be willing to do a quick call with us about this uh, project? We'll send you a free white, a free colored band, uh, accessory band of your choice. So post customer sale, asking them to do a call with us. And yeah. we, started, we started filling up our, uh, our calendar. So I, I, I had a project product manager on my team whose job was to help us do this. And mm-hmm. on all these calls together, we interviewed them, converted those interviews into um, a persona of the customer. And that persona of the customer is like very different than me. It's a woman mm-hmm. named Jen who has two kids and lives in North Carolina and has trouble maintaining enough time to focus on her uh, with her kids and her diet right and so that understanding has now completely shifted the way that we are approaching our marketing and positioning and that that and i would say the number of phone calls it took was maybe six to eight calls so not even not even two hours of total real time right in order to figure out that the people who are buying my product don't care about getting, don't care as much about getting rewarded for eating right, Mm -hmm. but really care about, (coughs) about uh, getting control of their diet while taking care of their kids. And I would have thought that if it was me, I would have said we need more competition and bets because people need to take care of themselves that way. And we found out that our users are mostly female mothers who tend to have kids that they take care of and not themselves. So Mm -hmm. us trying to focus on you could win rewards for yourself or you could look healthier for yourself is not going to sell. Instead, you'll have more energy so you can take care of your kids is the right marketing. And so that is a fundamental shift. And the, the, the whole product has been completely shifted with six phone calls. So what I'm getting at is um, the, the way that, uh, that like, I think as you elevate in business, you have to stop being bottom up and top down. As a guy who's a natural bottom up, I have the idea and do it. I'm starting to realize the, the effort of top down is way less than you think. It's actually way less. It's like six phone calls. If you haven't done uh, at least a few phone calls with potential customers of your product, Mm-hmm. then there's nothing in the world that you have, to, you don't have the right to do anything else. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, Cause you're building your business and new products off of assumptions that you've made because you think you're right, but you don't, even if you're kind of right, you're not speaking. You, you don't fully understand what your actual customer really truly wants. You're not able to properly convey that in marketing, which hurts CPA. It, it hurts retention. It hurts like, everything by not doing the top-down approach Mm -hmm. it's like really good lesson so is this now something that i know you're doing it i guess to validate the new product offering and the habit but is this something that you guys are going to be kind of move like doing 
constantly. That's the now. goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The goal is basically, like, basically, in the last few months, we've really, in the last uh, six or seven months, we've really started to unite all the pieces of Pavlov. We've become, we're getting yeah. much closer to my ultimate end goal, which is um, basically creating a system that has a high percentage of helping people who want to do something that help, uh, want to do good habits, achieve that mm-hmm. success, and then them to actually be rewarded and get paid for it. And so we're trying to connect those two pieces. So we're able to, to reward people in a way that motivates them um, uh, profitably for us, but really valuably for them. And, uh, and so the goal that what I'm starting to notice here is that mm-hmm. we have this, like, uh, we, we're trying to, like, basically we're getting to a core funnel, a core funnel, which is uh, where we're getting to. And that core funnel involves, um, is like what we're building towards. Uh, but the way we bring people into the funnel is infinite. So a simple, um, the simple one that we've begun uh, testing is like, we basically have this campaign right now for women who are having trouble with, uh, with saying, with, it's not just women, it's people who are trying mm-hmm. to stop their cravings. Um, yeah. And it's for, and we basically say like, uh, cravings don't start with cravings. Find out what habits are actually holding you back from achieving your healthy goals, right? Mm-hmm. And so the campaign basically focuses on survey where we ask them questions about their habits and the majority 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 I, the, the, after doing these phone calls this is this came out of these phone calls because initially our plan was to zap our users when they had uh when they were overeating to reduce the craving right that's yeah. uh, it's true and it helps but it, it's treating us but after interviewing six of these clients we realized very obviously that the majority of these clients are not are not sleeping enough like you can zap the craving away but that's like treating a symptom Instead, mm-hmm. if you get them to focus on an evening routine and get them in bed by 8 or 9 p.m., you'll actually stop the craving as a side product. Um, but that isn't what they, they wouldn't click on a link about doing an evening routine. So they're clicking no. on, the, on the magic click. So, um, so what, I, what, we're, what I'm getting at, though, is the current campaign we're working on is the same idea that this survey will tell you what habits you should solve for. And you could use that for anything. It's like, Nail biting doesn't start with nail biting. Find out what yeah. habits are really causing you to bite nails. And they take that survey and it's like, your anxiety is like the cause by your sleep schedule. You know, it's like, uh, and so what we'd like to get to, what we have been testing mm-hmm. and we haven't solved this. And this is the Indiegogo struggle that you probably are seeing with clients. Yeah. Like we have, we, we, we sell the, like the products we sell on Indiegogo are the same hardware. We have multiple products. We only have one piece of hardware. We sometimes yeah. change the app, but in all honesty, we don't even change the app these days. It's the same app. You get the same product. It's just marketed differently. Yeah. So um, the question comes to like, how do you do that? And what's the right angling? And how does Indiegogo or Kickstarter help in the process? And I think that like the people, the value of Kickstarter definitely comes from getting people to show you money to give you and and from the the value of that money being upfront rather than afterwards is huge. Um, I think that people can utilize it in their business, but it does take a big mindset shift. um, And it does take a big like team rallying around a specific event to make it happen. Can you tell me a bit more about that mindset shift? Like, what do you mean by that? Basically, like, it's like, you know, how hard it is to get yourself to start running. But then once you start running, you're running every day. And now for you, like, it's hard to stop running. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, like, like, it's hard to get someone to even consider the idea of doing an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, But once you consider doing one and you see its effectiveness, you start to think, oh, maybe I can do this again. But there's a resistance towards doing multiple campaigns because for some reason there's this idea that uh, crowdfunding is um, an amateur preparing to release their first product and it's not like a channel 
that you don't, that you can use. Yeah. And also people, there's an idea that it's only used for new products and not used for, for products that already exist. And so, mm-hmm. um, in all, in these cases, it's like, I mean, this is your job. You got to attract someone to be interested in this stuff. Um, yeah. and in my, in my case, I don't know what the answer is because I haven't done an Indiegogo campaign in a, in a while. Yeah. And we keep, I keep wanting to talk about, about doing it, but bringing it up is a huge deal. Cause it's not like, Hey guys, this is, I'm not just going to slide a task on a Trello board that says launch Indiegogo campaign. Right. It's a full- Which is what it should be. Cause really it's just a landing yeah. page. It should mm-hmm. be like, I have on my Trello board, like create new, stop the craving competitive, uh, copy sales page. Right. So why uh, it should be what I'm talking about mindset is that what it should be is I drag a new item to the same Trello board and say, create a new landing page for the Indiegogo launch. But instead my mindset is I have to create a whole new, uh, board or more likely a whole new team to focus on this Indiegogo launch because it's a a huge thing, right? It's not the same as a landing page. So, but the actual truth is it could be. There's no reason you couldn't test your first one by just copying a current landing page over to an Indiegogo campaign, creating a campaign, and then buying ads that just have a countdown with the Indiegogo link and seeing yeah. if their ROI is high. Like that might be a very, very nice dip your foot in the water and see if you can get multiple cash from multiple channels. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that's the big mindset shift. But um, so the, 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 the debate becomes like, do you go all in on an Indiegogo campaign where it's like, are you? Like, you know, is it a big deal or are you making it hmm. a small deal? And I think it depends on the stage of where you're at or where you are in your business. Um, but I do think there's a lot to be said about using it as a channel. I've never tested, I've never done that before. Even I'm starting to think maybe I should do that. Um, yeah. Uh, but it does make sense that that, that would be, uh, like, there's no reason I could, we, that we couldn't just launch an Indiegogo campaign and never, me- like, never mention it to our audience, only do it to cold traffic. And you get to see if it has uh, elegance as a channel. Yeah, because what I've noticed is like when I talk to people who have actually done an Indiegogo campaign that has gone well, they don't understand why more people aren't doing it because it's so good from a cash flow standpoint. But yet when I talk to someone who has only ever heard of Kickstarter, but they've never actually used it, they're like, I don't know. I just want to stick what's tried and true. I just want it like it's easy for me to just go launch on Amazon. Like why, why do I need this extra channel? And it's like, man, it's like flipping the switch for how people do things. Like, you know, you're able to go in and get quarter million dollars of inventory funding within 60 days of doing a launch on Indiegogo versus you having to do that by exclusively focusing on like on Amazon or something for a new product is like a lot more effort. Like I was digging into the stats and from our last, or I guess our first campaign together that netted about 350 or so, yeah, or yeah. two, yeah. No, no, we yeah, got yeah, like 350, yeah. We got 42% of our funds from Indiegogo from like organic platform traffic. And that's like, those stats are, to be able to replicate that on another platform is really, really difficult. So, yeah, but also to replicate you know, that on, on Indiegogo is also difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. the, 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 the trick here is that, like, we got that because we were mentioned in the New York Times, and I think, um, I think that uh, At the time, maybe Shark Tank went live at the same time while we were still live. It was, yeah, that was within the first, like, couple weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah we extended yeah. it. I recall, I recall the New York Times right when we extended it happening. Um, so, like, that, the, the, the same results did not happen in the fourth campaign, right? And the big thing that we exactly. didn't do that campaign was buying traffic. So here's the difference, and here's what I'm saying. Um, depending on your audience, right? If you're an audience that's starting your first product and you're like, 
this is like a big event um, and you should really, but like, if you're a small audience, if you're, if you're, an, if you're like an established brand that already has uh, ad buy and ad spend campaign, I would actually advise you not to do a big Indiegogo campaign that you, mm-hmm. uh, that you create a new travel board for. Instead, I would simply think of it like, um, you, like, like you have to make a choice if it's worth testing, but I have a yeah. feeling that um, a really smart idea would be to launch a currently existing product as a 30-day Indiegogo campaign, just launch it with the same creative and copy you currently have to get a nice split test. Mm-hmm. Uh, drive, like take you, you don't even you take your current ad spend, and you don't even actually have to change your ads. You do a Google optimized 50%, 50% experiment, and uh, you would get at least traffic to see if there's potential in Indiegogo driving you more sales than um, your current page. So, I mean, I, this is advice I'm making up as I speak out loud. I've never done this before yeah. myself. Um, but it does seem to make sense because even me, I'm thinking about Indiegogo, but in my mind, I'm like, it's not really worth it for me because it's like, uh, it's not that I won't get dollars from it. It's that the mind effort is really big. And for me to say, hey, people who are making Pavlock 3 instead focus on, you know, uh, and, and people who are making me like my, you know, this dollar, like focus on this um, is a huge uh, mental shift. Um, mm-hmm. So it does seem to make sense to me that like you would like if you've never done an Indiegogo before, you would start yeah. off by not doing that and instead starting by taking a page you've already worked on and promoting it. I'm curious if you, ever, if you ever do that. Yeah. I'm curious if you ever what the results would be because I have no clue what would happen. You know what I, I like about that, actually? Um, you're testing it as because like the dollars into doing a big campaign is a lot for a brand to swallow, right? But if you are trying to figure it out as, is Indiegogo a good platform for my audience? You do a small launch as a test. And if it goes well, you can then decide to do a bigger launch, put more money behind it, put a team behind it, right? Because then it's not that big of a shift. It's just like, you know what? I think I might like running, but I'm not going to sign up for a marathon. I'm going to try running around the block and see how I feel first. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't you know? do a, a yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to convince a person who has a huge Amazon store to do an Indiegogo if they've never done it before. Um, but you might be able to convince yeah. them to replicate a page that takes less than, less than an hour to do. Yeah. Within two and then, weeks, it's up. And even if, whatever, you're, right? if you're running the service or the agency, you can literally copy and paste it. So it works. Yeah. And like, like on my end, like the way we do it, because our ad teams always have trouble doing split tests. So mm-hmm. we just have them drive traffic to the same page. And then we, I, I create a Google experiment, which sends 50% of traffic. So you could imagine that like, like, I mean, like if, if I wanted to check a page, I can basically tell you, hey, Kirsten, run this. You could take exactly the same page, copy it over exactly to the new Indiegogo campaign, set it live, and then just do a Google optimized experiment. And with no work, you would at least be able to see the, the, on the, the client side, they would be able to see if there's any value. You know, if they get any value, then they'll find that it's like worth it, you know? So yeah. I don't, that's a, it's an interesting model. I, I'd be curious to see what happens mm-hmm. if you ever do that. But yeah, that, that, yeah, um, yeah. I like that. My only concern it. with yeah, my only concern would be like uh, Indiegogo doesn't like current products going up there. So I, if you're doing this, temporarily halt sales on the product mm-hmm. you're testing so that it's only being sold in Indiegogo at that point. Yeah, I guess. Right? Or don't. I don't know. Do they actually check? Um, they do. Yeah, they're okay. really like clamping down on stuff like that. So. Just be Makes sense. We them, often rename so. the product. Like we have like Pavlock craving and Pavlock stop the craving and stuff. But um, that could work too. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. So how else can I help the customers? Do you have any other questions? Yep. I just want to know. So 
as a brand, why are you considering doing another Indiegogo launch? Um, as always, it's the same. I mean, it's like, it's money. So am I going to make a profit on this model? Um, I find the value of, of dollars from Indiegogo to be very high because they pay you up front rather than you paying later. So I always optimize. I mean, cash flow to me is more is is far more important important than than profit because mm -hmm. of the many many times I've almost gone bankrupt due to the same problem. And Indiegogo gives you the most magical kind of money where you get the money up front. You don't have yeah. to deliver it for for a long long time. And so um, so the value of that is great for product creation, obviously, because you can take, yeah. you can unlock the R&D dollars of profit up front and convert that in, you know, it's like a, it's a nice uh, conversion mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, I mean, that, that's the value of Indiegogo. Um, but to be honest, it gets kind of weird when you get to be a higher brand. Like it is, it's weird for me because I don't know. It's like when you're not, when you're a starting brand, it, it's like, you know, it's like uh, if, if you're if you're like probably your high school varsity team was like a really, really, really big deal. Uh, but when you're in the NBA, it's not anymore. And yeah. so getting, getting brands to look at it as a big deal is not going to work because it just isn't. You know, they're not going to make if you're making one hundred thousand hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month on Amazon, then you're uh, it's very unlikely your Indiegogo campaign is going to drive you enough that it, it's like going to change your life, you know. Right. But it could yeah. be a new channel. So if you're willing to, if you're looking, like if you're the kind of person who is experimenting in new channels and maybe mm -hmm. like, if you're not like, and, and honestly, like uh, in my mind, it's like, if you're the kind of person who's not already using Facebook ads and Google ads, you know, like you, you don't experiment on different channels at all, then probably yeah. Indiegogo is not your next step. But like, if you're somebody who is like the kind of person who's like, all right, let's test podcast ads. Let's, let's test podcast ads. Let's test this thing. Um, then this is an interesting channel to experiment with as an experienced company. That's my- I love that. Thinking. Awesome. Thanks for letting me get inside your brain for a few minutes there. No worries. No um, so I think this is great. Um, if people want to get in contact with you or learn more about Pavlock, where's a good place to go? Oh uh, yeah, go to our um, website, pavlock.com, P-A-V-L-O-K. And you can shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Manish Steffi. Awesome. And links to everything will be below, guys. So thanks for watching. Manish, thanks for your time today. Always good to reconnect. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more like it, as well as free resources, be sure to head over to our website, which is kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com. And if you do not want to miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms or catch the video version of this on YouTube. Apart from that, we'll see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.